Let us pray. Lord, we do come to honor you in what we say and what we do. Lord, in this hour of worship that we can gather together in community, in person, present here in the church building, or Lord, in the full presence of your Spirit on our couches, our tables, in our homes, our porches, our decks. Lord, thank you that wherever we gather, you are there. And Lord, you are here with us this morning. So I pray that it's your presence, your powerful, holy, almighty, joyful presence that is active, moving, convicting, comforting, realizing who we are today in you. In your name we pray. Amen. On July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress voted in favor of independence from Britain. And two days later, on July 4th, delegates from the 13 colonies finalized the, the, the Declaration of Independence. I wonder, I wonder what that celebration, that first July 4th night was like, or was it even a celebration at all? With all that we've lost or been through over the past several months, how was your celebration yesterday on July 4th? Probably different, different than it's usually been. Less people, less food, less activities. Today's scripture is about two parables. Two parables of things that have been lost. How did they celebrate? And who was today's parables spoken to? I invite you to join me in, your, in the scripture this morning. I hope that you have brought your Bibles or you're willing to look at your phone just for the scripture, not for anything else, but to look at your phone and follow the scripture today as we look at the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Let us explore God's Word together this morning. Luke 15, verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep, and losing one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner than repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light the lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for each of us, a child of God. 
Thanks be to God. When I was a kid, I remember a time we were watching TV. There was a comedian on, and he said that, why is it that when I lose something, I always find it in the last place I look? And I shouted, that's me, that's me, that always happens to me. And 40 years later, it continues to be a running joke in my family that when something is lost and found, that it's in the last place we looked. I hope you get that if you think through and understand that's true every time you find something. Today's parables are less about what was lost, but more about what was found and the celebration that ensued from it. So let's look at the parable of the lost sheep. I don't know if you've been watching a lot of TV lately or more than usual, but there's hundreds of reality TV shows on. And so many of them are about the things, the jobs, the work that people do. Whether it's fixing up a house in their hometown, whether it's catching tuna or crabs, whether it's digging for gold or so many other things. I'm convinced if there's reality TV, TV back in biblical times, that in Judea, Judea TV would have had a shepherd as a TV show, reality TV show that people would watch. Imagine this, imagine the action that would have taken place when there's an animal, a wild animal, that's about to attack one of the sheep. Or can you see the conflict that two shepherds might have had as, as they approached each other's and maybe were in one another's territory and an argument began to ensue? Or maybe even more than that, that you would have seen the background story of one of the shepherds, of what it was like to grow up as a shepherd in a shepherd household. Being a shepherd was hard and dangerous. Their profession was despised by others and even looked down as lower class. Many shepherds also had a bad reputation. Kind of ironic as we see God as our shepherd. However, shepherding along with agriculture was the basis for their economy. Land was scarce. It was just a few miles wide, a narrow strip, and you had deserts on some sides, and, and you had these horrible cliffs on others, and sheep were prone to wander. There were no walls or fences to protect them or keep them in a certain area. A shepherd was personally responsible for his sheep, to the point that they would have to find the sheep no matter what. And even if they found it and the sheep was dead, they'd have to take the hide of the sheep to show that they had found the sheep. They were expert trackers. They would risk their life. Many times there would be a large group of sheep, and so it would take multiple shepherds to care for these sheep. These sheep were owned by the community, so when the shepherds would come back often one by one to the community, they would wait the community would wait to anticipation of that one shepherd that was not there yet finding the lost sheep. And when he would come back carrying the sheep over his shoulders, the community would celebrate in finding the lost sheep. That's one of my favorite pictures of Jesus. Have you seen that picture? Jesus has a smile on his face. He's walking down this path alone. And over his shoulders is a sheep. And in one hand, he's holding his front paws and in the back hand, he's holding the others. What a beautiful picture of God that is for us today. God finds joy in seeing one of his children who was lost, found. 
one who has strayed away. When we give up hope on ourselves and even others, God does not. God loves the 99, those who stay close to him, but he rejoices when one who's been lost has now been found. Let us look at the next parable, the parable of the coin. As we continue Luke's theme of celebration and mercy. Now this coin was called a drachma, a silver drachma. It was worth about four cents. It would have not been hard to lose this coin in a Palestine's peasant's house. They were small. They had very few windows, if any. They had a dirt floor or maybe a few reeds upon the floor. You've heard the phrase, finding a needle in a haystack. Or maybe you remember Angela's children's sermon talking about an ant here in the church and calling on the carpet, could you even see it? Probably not. She would sweep the floor. She would hope to just catch a glimmer of the coin or maybe even hear it as it was moved across the floor. To lose it would create much anxiousness. To find it, much joy. There's a possibility that this was a silver coin that she had just had, and, and losing it, it was worth a day's wages, and, and her family might not be able to be fed for the day because she's lost it. Another possibility is this was a coin from a married woman's headdress. A married woman had ten silver coins on a silver chain in this headdress. It was what we consider a wedding ring today. This could never have been taken from her, even if a debt was owed. When she would find the coin, she'd be so excited. She'd have to tell others. She'd have to rejoice. The emphasis was much more in the value of the headdress to her than the monetary value that it actually cost. The joy of the woman finding her coin or the shepherd finding his sheep was like God when sinners come home. One of God's children had been lost and was now rescued. Each person, each person from the least has value. So let's look back at who Jesus is talking to at the parables. If you're online, look at your Bible. Look at verse 1 and those here. Verse 1, who is it that Jesus is speaking to in verse 1? Shout it out. Tax collectors and sinners. The Pharisees are listening, but he's speaking, or the, the tax collectors and sinners have come to hear what Jesus has to say. And what do the Pharisees do? They're mumbling. Jesus, yeah, look at him. Look, he's talking about them, and he's eating with these sinners. The Pharisees saw themselves as distinct and separate people. Exclusive would be a good word. I think the Pharisees would have their own reality TV show too, show too one of these exclusive ones that, that they're better than anybody else or they're untouchable. They felt they were the righteous ones who followed the law to the T. Everyone else was called people of the land, and Pharisees didn't speak to people of the land. They didn't talk to people of the land. They didn't walk with people of the land. They didn't trust or do business with people of the land. Barclay says that Joy to one of the Pharisees was not when a sinner repents and comes to God, but when a sinner is obliterated before the very presence of God. 
how do we react? How do we react when one that we don't think deserves mercy receives it? The Pharisees never imagined. They never imagined a God who would search for and rescue His people. A God who would look for those who were lost and find them. Mercy is this new concept that Jesus is teaching the people. Now Jesus' emphasis here on redemption is important. But here the real focus is on Jesus calling the righteous the celebration of the one who has been lost. So let me remind you and clarify what happens at the end of each parable. Something is lost and then it's found and celebrated. And who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to sinners. He's talking to tax collectors. And he's talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees failed to celebrate that the tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus to hear the good news and to be transformed. The Pharisees' reaction Their reaction to these tax collectors and sinners tells the true nature of the Pharisees, the nature of their relationship with God, and the status of their soul. They couldn't celebrate. They could not celebrate another coming to Jesus, especially a person of the land, especially one who is filthy and dirty and not worthy of mercy in their eyes. One's understanding of God is often based in either mercy or merit. One is based in grace and another in judgment. If we join in the celebration of one being found by God, then the focus is on mercy. But some people find God's mercy offensive. They can't celebrate it like the Pharisees. In the scripture, Jesus begins to expose the Pharisees' bitterness, their resistance, and their selfishness. And as we begin to hear this parable too, I think it begins to expose our own selfishness, resistance, and bitterness. We feel that God is too good toward others and not good enough toward us. We want mercy for us, but we want judgment. For others. This barrier of righteousness not only separates the Pharisees from God, but it separates them from the sinners and, as I said, from God. What today is preventing you from receiving God's mercy? What today is preventing you from sharing God's mercy? Only those who can celebrate God's grace toward others can experience the fullness of that grace and that mercy themselves. Have you ever heard the story of the farmer? This tough-working farmer who had the Lord appear to him. And the Lord granted him three wishes. But there was one condition. That whatever the hard-working farmer received, his neighbor would receive twice as much. So the farmer thought about this for a while, and, and he said, I want a hundred heads of cattle. And boom, he had a hundred new head of cattle. And he was elated, he was ecstatic, he rejoiced, that is, until he looked over 
And guess how many cattle his neighbor had? 200. So he thought again and said, I want 100 acres of land. And he received 100 acres of land. And he rejoiced and he celebrated. And he was so excited till he looked over and saw the land his neighbor had. And guess how many acres of land his neighbor had? 200. So this farmer could not escape feelings of jealousy. He couldn't, he couldn't just live with his neighbor being slighted, and, or him being slighted, and his neighbor receiving a lot more than he did. So for the third wish, the farmer asked to be blinded in one eye. And the Lord wept. The Lord poured his heart out for the condition of this man's soul to ask that his eye may be put out, that his neighbor's both eyes. Celebrations this year have been difficult. Right? They've been different. Whether it's birthdays or weddings, whether it's showers for baby showers or funerals, or even the July 4th. And we've probably even wept at some of those gatherings together. We've missed hanging out with friends and grandchildren and vacations. We've lost income and memories and opportunities. But I stand before you today that even in the midst of all that we have lost, we have an opportunity and things to still celebrate. If we focus we focus not what was on lost, but on what's been found. Think about it. We've been forced, in a sense, to determine what's more important, to focus on core relationships and find value in simple things. So this July 4th weekend, as we celebrate, as we gather to celebrate a holiday and freedom, May we also take time to celebrate this rediscovery of what matters the most to us. We also have an opportunity to help others who as a result of the past several months might find themselves lost. But to do so, to do so we must show mercy. And when we show mercy, not only will the lost find God, but I, leave, but I believe that we will find God too in a new and fresh way. That's a celebration. That's a celebration we can all join in any day of the year. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for those moments in our life that we have found ourselves lost, stressed, worried, don't know where to turn, where to go. You have sent someone. You have given us a, a gut of maybe look there. 
Someone's reached out a hand. Someone's made a phone call. Someone sent a card. Someone's just said, I'm thinking about you. Lord, thank you that we can go to no depth or no mountaintop and be away from you. Thank you that you search high and low. You yearn for us to be reconnected. So, Lord, help us. Help us to have that same yearning to rediscover you. And if we have, help us to hold on to it and invite others to join us. In your name we pray. Amen.